Welcome to Sustainable Business Fridays. I'm your host, Katie Elman. Sustainable Business Fridays is the first podcast of its kind, bringing together students in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, not-for-profits, social entrepreneurship, and more. Twice monthly, these conversations go live via iTunes and Google Play. This week, I'm joined by second-year Bard MBA student Sven Thiessen, and we'll be speaking with Elizabeth Salaya, Director of Organizational and Community Development at Hudson River Housing. Welcome, Sven and Elizabeth. Sven, you're a passionate housing advocate. What is your personal experience with Hudson River Housing? I'm a Poughkeepsie resident. I'm a resident of the neighborhood known as Middle Main, and I've met Elizabeth through my work with Habitat for Humanity, where there are opportunities or have been opportunities for Habitat to partner with Hudson River Housing. I've also attended some of Hudson River Housing's events, especially events in the community, such as community meetups. Great. Thank you. Elizabeth, Hudson River Housing has been around since the early 1980s. Can you tell us more about the organization and its history? Absolutely. So Hudson River Housing is a private, not-for-profit organization. We were founded in 1982, and our founding mission was to serve the homeless. We actually arose out of a task force that was put together by Dutchess County to examine the emerging problem of homelessness in the county in the late 70s. Um, And out of that, one of the solutions was the idea of incorporating an organization that could work on the issue of homelessness in a really focused way. Um, And so out of um, that task force came the the foundation of Hudson River Housing. Um, Our first project was a 19-unit shelter for homeless families. And we focused on addressing the issue of homelessness through shelter provision for families and then shortly thereafter for single individuals for some years. Um, And in the early 90s, um, evolved to begin real estate development and property management. And it was a really natural and perhaps somewhat obvious um, evolution where we realized that while we were meeting this uh, really important safety net need of providing shelter, um, folks had nowhere to go from the shelter because there was no affordable housing in the area. And so we decided we would build our own. Um, And so we started doing that um, very quickly. That became a big part of the work that we do and continues to be. Um, So we actually developed um, all types of housing units, ranging from um, single room occupancy units, uh, SROs, they're normally called, um, as well as um, uh, apartments and single-family homes, which uh, sometimes are those that we maintain in our portfolio for rent, um, and sometimes we sell them to first-time home buyers, um, which was the next evolution of our organization after we got into real estate development. Um, and we started producing single-family homes for sale to buyers. We really wanted to make sure that we were uh, educating home buyers as much as possible and so that we were setting people up for success in being homeowners. Um, and so we launched a series of education programs, counseling programs for people um, in financial literacy and budgeting and the process of homeownership. 
Um, and in 2007, we opened a home ownership center where all of those services are now concentrated. And then the last, most recent evolution of our organization has actually been in community building and engagement. Um, and of course, we've been doing that type of work for all of our history. Um, and certainly, once we got into real estate development, um, seeing positive change in communities was something that occurred frequently as a result of us going into a place, acquiring property, rehabilitating that property, and putting new households, families, and individuals into those housing units. But it was often um, just a byproduct of that work rather than a really focused and intentional uh, activity that we were undertaking as an organization. Um, so in around 2008, um, a series of things kind of came together that led to uh, creating a true community building line of business, as we call it. So we had the recession and the housing market collapse. Um, we had, you know, foreclosure was top of mind for everybody. Um, and we started to uh, see this dialogue emerge around um, sustainability and vulnerability of communities and how can we make places less vulnerable, more resistant to economic shock. So there was this whole dialogue happening um, that we felt that we were well positioned to be a part of and some new funding streams that became available as a result of that at the state and, and federal level. Um, and so given our long history of work um, in particularly in the city of Poughkeepsie, we really sort of honed in on some of those vulnerable neighborhoods and started um, bringing together a lot of these resources to focus on making some targeted change in, in specific places um, and becoming much more place-focused with the work that we we're doing and, and looking at how could we align things like real estate development with a broader, more holistic view of improving communities and all of the different components of a community, including social connections, economic opportunity, uh, physical amenities of a place. And, and so that's really the work that community building does now. We, we look at creating sustainable, inclusive, and participatory communities. And Middle Maine is one of your central focuses there, is that correct? And the Middle Maine Initiative? Absolutely. So the Middle Maine Initiative was really where we started with community building in, in 2008. So, you know, as we were entering this dialogue around sustainable communities and what does that mean, we were looking at the city of Poughkeepsie, um, and both through um, quantitative data as well as our own knowledge just from decades of working in the city, we, we understood that the core of Poughkeepsie's Main Street was really in need. Um, and so as a nonprofit organization, one of the things that we like to do is be the first ones in. You know, we have access to different resources than the private sector does. Um, so we can take advantage of some of those to, to go into places that aren't going to be able to provide an immediate financial return and therefore aren't uh, you know, of interest to a, a lot of folks in the private side of things. Um, and frankly, because of some of the fiscal challenges of, of our local government, the public sector was also not um, putting any resources into, into our mainstream, into our downtown at that time. So, you know, we, we decided that we were going to sort of take the, the first step 
And, you know, certainly what we always like to see is that we, we go in and we take on some of the burden of that risk, and then we see a snowball effect as the public sector becomes more comfortable um, and then the private sector becomes more comfortable and we see an infusion of, of new resources able to come in and uh, uh, help revitalize communities that are, are really in need. Can you give us an idea of some of the activities that you carry on or that you know you and, and some of your staff carry on under this banner, yeah. Middle Maine? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a great, great team. Um, we do a couple of different things. We, we have a certainly a constantly evolving strategy. So we're very responsive to what the, the community needs, what, what people are telling us, but we can, can kind of segment our work into three major buckets. So we do resident and business engagement, we do neighborhood marketing and promotion, and we do property and streetscape rehabilitation. So under resident and business engagement, we run monthly community meetups. Um, we run a community leadership program. That's a six to eight week course that uh, provides local residents and stakeholders with the skills to become more effective advocates and leaders in their own communities. Um, and we also work very closely with our small business communities. So we're, we're focused as well as on the economic development side of things. So we form partnerships particularly with our, our sort of micro-businesses and very small um, independently owned businesses that are not always given the same opportunities or have access to the same opportunities through some networks such as the Chamber of Commerce that we've really worked on creating a network of those sort of unique independent businesses um, in, in the community and helping to promote them and connect them and, and support them as much as possible. Um, under neighborhood marketing and promotion, we actually were the recipients of a national grant to establish a neighborhood marketing campaign. We were part of a pilot program. Uh, we were one of 16 neighborhoods selected across the country to take part in this program. And, and through that, we worked with some specialists in marketing, uh, place-based marketing, to be able to look at what was unique about this neighborhood. What, it, what could we say about it and, and promote about it in a way that really maintained uh, the authenticity of it and built upon its existing assets in a, in a really positive and strong way. And so we were able to develop a logo um, and a tagline and color palette and, and a whole brand package that we're able to utilize as a way to really create a stronger sense of place and build a, a strong sense of community pride, um, which were certainly things that were lacking in, in this neighborhood um, before we got started with our work. Um, and then under property and streetscape rehabilitation, you know, certainly those are some of the more conventional strategies that we have in terms of property acquisition and rehabilitation. Um, but we've also done, done some things that are a little bit more unique. We've created a pocket park in the neighborhood. There's a, a huge lack of green space in the area, so we were able to, uh, in a small way, add a, a little bit of that um, to, to the community. Uh, we also work on um, cleaning initiatives, so beautification things in terms of working with community groups to do cleanups and add garbage cans and other things like that to the community that are real needs of, of the neighborhood. Now, just to be clear, when you say community cleanup, is that essentially people volunteering to assist you with cleaning up the community? 
Yep, absolutely. So at least once a month, if not more, we've been gathering volunteers, um, residents, businesses, but also other community groups, churches frequently, um, youth groups, our local colleges um, coming out to just help us keep the streets clean. Believe it or not, it's one of the top things we hear from people. I might put it in the top three uh, concerns that folks have expressed about the neighborhood and things they would like to see changed is you know, could we just keep the streets a little cleaner? And so we're, we're kind of attacking that from two sides, actually. So, you know, there's the the cleanup side, which is a response um, to the existing issue. But, of course, we also want to work on it from the other angle as well. How can we build more community pride? How can we um, create a place where people aren't feeling like they can just litter in the streets because they care more about it than that? So a lot of that work is done through our resident engagement, um, and we also are working on a marketing campaign together with the city of Poughkeepsie to um, do things like create wraps for the garbage cans with some marketing messages on them, reminding people how we can all do our part to keep the community clean. Well, the fact that people are showing up to volunteer for these cleanups suggests to me that there is a lot of uh, community pride and place pride there. Um, now, you had said something about doing the more conventional things in terms of, you know, real estate and property sort of development uh, So in that area. Can you tell us a little bit about any project you have going on right now? Absolutely. We have quite a bit uh, underway in the neighborhood. I think the most prominent one is the redevelopment of the historic Poughkeepsie Underwear Factory. Um, so this project is in full throes of construction. We're planning to open around the end of this year. Um, and uh, it's a fantastic adaptive reuse of a historic factory building, um, once the home of the Poughkeepsie Underwear Company, hence its current name. It's listed on the National Historic Register. And, and it was sitting vacant um, in the neighborhood as one of the last examples of in the mill buildings of the city of Poughkeepsie. Uh, we were lucky enough to acquire it in 2012 um, and since have been working on a redevelopment concept and putting together a financing package. It's about a $7 million redevelopment. And it was a great opportunity for us to restore this amazing historic structure in the center of this community um, and also create both housing opportunities as well as economic opportunity through the project. So we're actually doing a mixed-use redevelopment. We are going to have 15 residential units in the building, but we also have 7,000 square feet of commercial space. And we're focusing that commercial space on things that can really um, respond to community needs, particularly around the area of um, job training, uh, and education and programming for youth and things with low barriers to entry was a lot of what we heard as we were doing concept planning for for this project. It was like I would like it you know to attend a class or to be part of training um, or to find an opportunity for my child that doesn't require an intense amount of application forms and it's something that's affordable to me. And so we've really taken that sort of broad idea and filtered it down into a few specific concepts. So in the building we're going to have a shared use commercial kitchen that will be available to small food startups, food trucks, 
small food entrepreneur producers, um, as well as guest chefs um, and nutritionists and folks who want to do cooking demos. We're also going to have a coffee roaster and coffee shop, and that coffee shop is going to provide job training opportunities to folks who are coming through our homeless services program um, and looking for the next step on their journey. Um, we're also going to have eight artist studios, um, workspaces that will be available at a very low cost for working artists in the community to come in and rent space and really hone their craft and be able to showcase it to the public. Um, and we are currently talking to a local arts organization about leasing the remaining commercial space that's available to run their youth arts programming. Uh, so we're really thrilled with how all of it's coming together. Um, you know, I alternate being like really thrilled and terrified because um, it's a big project and it's a huge undertaking and it certainly represents somewhat of a shift for our organization um, where we're moving beyond just focusing on housing as four walls and a roof and expanding that to, you know, thinking about all of the things that go into creating a strong quality of life for an individual, for a, a family, and for a whole community. Um, and so this project is a, a good example of how we're using, a, you know, bricks and mortar redevelopment to get at some bigger picture issues. Sounds like it. Now, so, so your Hudson River Housing is very active in Poughkeepsie. Is it also active in other areas around Poughkeepsie, or is it really focused on Poughkeepsie? Well, our service area is actually all of Dutchess County, um, uh -huh. and we do have a special love for the city of Poughkeepsie, where we're based in the city. And certainly, there's a level of need in the city of Poughkeepsie that we feel that we 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 need to address. Um, but we do work throughout the county, so many of our programs um, draw folks from all over Dutchess County. We have housing uh, properties in um, uh, Hyde Park, in Red Hook, um, down in East Fishkill. Um, we're working with folks in Beacon, um, and even now in Millerton. Um, and so more recently, we've started a community building effort in the rural part of our county, in northeastern Dutchess in, in particular, looking at Amenia and Pine Plains and Millerton and what some of the challenges are that those rural communities face in terms of housing choice and economic opportunity. And um, so different, different contexts, different strategies perhaps, but in a lot of ways very similar challenges in terms of creating opportunities for youth, creating ways for people to stay in communities that they've lived in for generations, um, creating sustainable economic activity, um, in this case that year-round activity because we have a lot of agriculture, we also have a lot of uh, things driven by the tourism market. Um, so it's been an interesting uh, sort of new frontier for us in terms of the work of community building and taking some of the lessons learned in the more urban uh, setting of Poughkeepsie and seeing how they apply in different communities around the county. Great, great. Um, so if we can come back to Poughkeepsie for a moment, though, this the, so the underwear factory. You've you've really explained very well, I think, um, 
or describe very well what you're looking to do with the underwear factory how you're going to use it as a tool almost it sounds like to well i guess build community and build uh constructive sort of economic processes uh taking it beyond just it being like you were saying a brick and mortar facility or a housing location a commercial location um in terms of sustainability as a you know green undertaking uh, are there any aspects to the underwear factory that that fit that mold? So, for instance, is it you know highly insulated, um, that kind of thing? There, there's the water runoff uh, facilities, that kind of thing. Uh, would you be able to tell us a little bit about that also? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think the most one of the most prominent ways is that we um, partnered with the organization Clearwater uh, a few years ago, actually before we were even under construction on the building itself. And we designed and built a demonstration green infrastructure project on site. Um, and it's designed to manage all the storm water runoff from the roof of the building as well as the parking areas, filter that through a bioswale um, and into a series of rain gardens. Um, the building and the property are adjacent to the Fallkill Creek. Um, so this allows that all that runoff to be filtered before it enters uh, the creek. And, and the water system uh, in the city of Poughkeepsie. So that's been really exciting. It's, it's hard to see if you were to visit the, the site right now because it's such an active construction zone. But eventually that rain garden area will have some seating, we'll have a walkway from the building into that green space. We'll be adding yet another green space to the community, but also creating a place that um, really is an educational tool and a, a true demonstration area of how this type of uh, of engineering can work in an urban setting. Um, recently, we've also started a partnership with Vassar College and their new environmental co-op, which they started this past year. Um, and through them, we'll be partnering on the maintenance of that site. So they've been working with us to ensure that the plantings are coming up as as they should, and they'll be bringing student volunteers and classes to the site to help us both with the actual maintenance as well as to learn about what we've done there. Um, so that's been really exciting. Overall, Hudson River Housing is certified as a green organization by NeighborWorks America. So that means that there's certain sustainability metrics that we meet throughout the, the operations of our organization from using recycled paper in our copy machines to, um, you know, using reusable um, dinnerware at some of our residential facilities where we have cafeterias um, to, you know, making sure we have low-flow toilets and, you know, um, energy-efficient lighting. And so we've made a, some really um, uh, major strides in the past a few years at bringing our entire organization up a notch in terms of how we operate as a business in addition to things we might be doing with some of our building projects. I'm glad to hear NeighborWorks is paying attention to that issue. That's excellent. Um, now, you had been saying that in the underwear factory there might be some some space in there that would be used for like training and that kind of thing. Um, that got me thinking that you might be moving that community leadership program you had talked about uh, or mentioned uh, in there, which led me to think, 
you know, that's actually a really interesting sounding program. Um, I'm not, I don't know much about it. Could you tell us some, a little bit about that as well? Because it sounds like something that could really drive, you know, not just resident engagement, but really, really initiative. Absolutely. So we started running from about two years ago, I would say. Before that, we had been wanting to get something up and running. We'd done some um, training with NeighborWorks America, which is a fantastic national network of organizations like ours, and they do a lot of, of training and provide resources to to organizations across the country. Um, so we've been looking at what other groups were doing. We visited a few of them, learned about their programs, um, and then we were lucky enough to be able to launch our own under the leadership of Lindsay Duval, who's our community development manager. And she has really built our program um, and, and, and made it specialized to, to our needs here in, in Poughkeepsie and in Dutchess County. Um, so the program runs as a series of six to eight modules. Um, we usually have between 10 and 25 folks who participate in the class. And the modules can shift a little bit with each session, but they really focus on things like um, communication skills, uh, how to run a meeting, um, how to work with local government. One of the things we do is a field trip to City Hall, and we introduce people to the mayor and some of the local council people, and we really explain, you know, how, how do you advocate for yourself and, and help make sure people know uh, who they should be talking to. Um, and we use guest facilitators for a lot of that. So we look at who are the experts in our community. We partner with other great organizations doing really wonderful work in the community and bring them in to share what they're working on and share their expertise. Um, and we run through these sessions with uh, child care provided so people um, don't have that barrier as well as dinner. So they, these sessions meet once a week in the evening and we'll provide people a meal. Um, so again, we want to eliminate as many barriers as possible. Um, there's a, a fee of about $60 to participate in the program, but anybody who can't pay that, we waive the fee, no questions asked. Um, and so it's been fantastic. The first session we ran, we actually did completely in Spanish because we, in, our, in the Middle Maine community in particular, we have a very large um, immigrant population, Spanish-speaking immigrant population. Um, and this was such a key constituency to us. And they have really been doing such a tremendous job in terms of cultural programming and small business development. And yet these opportunities for things like leadership training were really limited. Um, and unavailable, and so we decided we would again fill fill a gap that we were seeing that we had the ability to to be flexible and fill as a nonprofit organization. And we offered the program completely in Spanish, um, again using guest facilitators and our own staff. Lucky, luckily, we have a few people on staff that are bilingual, um, and it was tremendous success. I think we had 20-something folks graduate from that first session. Um, and we ran a second one in English not long after. We had 25 people graduate from that. Um, and we're in the middle of um, planning for our – we've had a few others in between there, and we're in the middle of planning for our next one, which is actually going to be in Northeastern Dutchess. Uh, we're, so we're going to be targeting some of those rural communities with our upcoming session. But it's certainly one of the strongest programs um, that we've put together uh, as Head Server Housing in terms of 
strengthening resident leadership and, and engagement and the, the feedback from people is tremendous. And we ask people who are enrolling in the program to have an idea in mind of how they want to benefit their community. So that's part of what we ask them when they express interest is, okay, you want to be part of this program. What is it that you want to change? What do you want to do? Um, some people have a very defined idea or project and in some cases something they're already working on. For some people, it evolves during the program. But as they're going through each module, we ask them to be thinking about applying what they're learning to the change that they want to see in the community. And we've seen some fantastic things come out of it. We saw an online uh, magazine dedicated to Poughkeepsie launch. We had a, um, somebody who's running a Spanish language radio station who really used uh, the program to help hone their business plan. Um, so, you know, we've we've really had some good successes and again tremendous feedback from from the community that takes part in it and we invite them to come back as alumni and sort of share what they've learned with the next classes that come into the program and when they graduate they're all inducted into what we call the community leaders network. We have a graduation ceremony for them. And for some of these folks, it's the first time they've really participated in something like that and, and, and gotten a completion certificate. And we, you know, we give them a t-shirt and um, we have a big celebration where they can invite their friends and family. And it's, it's as I said, been really tremendous. Hudson River Housing is doing so much impactful work. Have you noticed if the organization's initiatives are being emulated by other groups and in other cities? So as an organization, I think we absolutely are seeing that other groups across the country are looking at the work that we're doing as a model. Um, we've always tried to stay at the cutting edge of, of best practices in terms of community development and housing. Um, and we're lucky to be part of the NeighborWorks America Network, which puts us you know, in this top tier of organizations doing this type of work across the country. Uh, and we frequently host organizations coming from all over that want to see what we're doing in Poughkeepsie and learn more about our work. Um, just this summer, we had groups from Las Vegas, New Orleans, Vermont, Connecticut uh, coming um, just over the past three months to see what we're up to here and learn about our strategies and how they can employ them in their communities. Um, and we've certainly been able to position Poughkeepsie in a different way regionally um, and also nationally at this point in terms of how do you do inclusive redevelopment, how do you do strong community engagement, how do you promote the assets of your community in a way that creates inclusivity and really lifts people up rather than um, brings in new ideas from the outside. And those are all things that we're really proud of. And we're thrilled to share them whenever we can. Um, and so we're constantly looking for um, ways to learn from others and to share what we've learned um, through the past several years of our work. In your own words, what is sustainability and how are you in your work making Poughkeepsie, New York State, you know, the United States a more sustainable um, country, city, state environment? Yeah, I, I often think of sustainability in terms of opportunity, opportunity, both creation and preservation of opportunity. 
Um, and so it's really about um, many different aspects coming together. Um, we do look at things such as environmental sustainability and environmental stewardship, but we also look beyond that to economic <coughs> opportunity. How are we creating places that have strong um, job prospects, that have strong transportation networks, that have um, a, a continuum of housing choice um, available to residents? Um, so these are all things that are really relevant to the idea of sustainability because they're all things that are going to help communities be stronger together. When we can bring all of these elements together in one place, that's when we have a really strong community. And a really strong community is going to be resistant to environmental stresses as well as economic stresses, um, social changes. Um, so, you know, that's really what we're looking at when we think about sustainability in our work. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sven. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much to BARD and to this program for inviting me to be part of it. I'm really happy to have been able to share a little bit about what Hudson River Housing is working on. Well, thank you for taking the time, Elizabeth. Definitely. You can learn more about Hudson River Housing by visiting HudsonRiverHousing.org. Join us for the next Sustainable Business Fridays, where we'll be speaking with Tom Zaki of TerraCycle. Bard MBA in Sustainability. Lead the change. Learn more at bard.edu.